Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hello, everybody. This is Helen Johannesson. I am the owner of Helen's Wines in Los Angeles. It's a gem box little wine shop that's inside of a restaurant called John and Binny's. And this is my podcast, Wine Face. Wine Face is the podcast that's breaking down everything, the ins, the outs, the ups, the downs, the curves, the confusion that you need to get clarified about wine and everything connected to wine. That is the places it's grown, the food that's there. Listen, maybe you love food and wine and you want to know more. Maybe you just want to look good in front of your friends. Either way, I am here for you. If you want to find me in person, you can find me at Helen's Wines or you can find me online at Helen's Wines on Instagram or helenswines.com. Today, we have a super awesome episode This episode is actually brought to you by Hydrant, which I'll tell you a little bit more about later, but let's get into it. I was thinking the other week about international creeping, you know, creeping around, and it got me thinking about how cool it is in Europe, and it's also cool in the United States, but it's so cool in Europe how you can start in one area and you can just creep along and end up in a totally different terroir. So... This episode, Coastal Creepin' to Get to a Dream Zone, South of France to Liguria, sounds like a Don Quixote-style adventure, doesn't it? <laughs> Listen, I think it's probably the time of year when everyone is dreaming of being on the coast of the Mediterranean, even if you've never been there before. We're all quarantined. There's really no prospect of travel. Flying seems terrifying. Am I right? So let's take a coastal creep. So many amazing winemaking areas, they fan out from like coastal areas along the Mediterranean. So there are a few that are like right on the coast, but then there's a bunch that sort of fan above. If you think about like a dragon and it's fan I don't know. Do dragons have fans? Bearded dragons, they have fans. That's their little like crown behind them. So all of a sudden, or peacock, it's like, it's fanning out. Um, So if you're at the border of France and Spain, there's a town, a pretty big little town called Perimpignan. And this is sort of a little central hub city. It's not where very much wine is grown, but it's an area that 
is sort of in the middle of the Languedoc-Roussillon. And you're in this area where you're really close to the ocean. You're about like five miles from the ocean. And then you're sweeping back into this like beautiful sort of tundra-inspired landscape. It's, it's definitely this part of France is a little more rugged. It's not as lush and green. It has a little more of a desert character, but it's not a desert. And you have the amazing, rich, diverse, and so, so satisfying Languedoc-Roussillon that sort of fans up from the Mediterranean. But not many of the Languedoc-Roussillon wine-growing areas are grown right on the ocean. I would say Banyuls is one exception that is really close to the Spanish border, parts of the Catalans. Banyuls is typically known for sweet wine, but there's some really amazing winemakers who are growing grapes at a super high elevation because the temperature is quite warm there. You know, you're at sea level or close to sea level and you're heading south towards Spain. So a lot of the winemakers there, so as not to have crazy sweet extraction from their fruit, they're growing vines up at a super high elevation. So if you start there, it's sort of this you get this sort of like sensation, like, hmm, I'm onto something good. So you jump in your, you know, two-seat Mercedes convertible <laughs> that's from some 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever floats your boat, and you start heading east. You head east towards Marseille, and there's all these sprinklings of seaside villages, cities, towns, but a lot of the wine is not made right on the coast as you're heading east toward Nice, let's say. Probably the most notable though, as you're cruising this route and you'd have to come off the highway to get there is an area called Cassis. And Cassis is also well known for like a sweet raspberry berry liqueur, which it's funny, like we just talked about Banyols. It's like sweet on sweet, but it's also really well known for making these beautiful rosé and white wine that pair really, really well with seafood because you're literally right on the ocean. Like there's these cliffs that are looking down at sparkly blue waters. And then at the top of the cliffs are like beautiful, epic stucco houses and gorgeous vineyards. I would say Cassis is not like an epicenter for natural winemaking. I do think that a lot of the winemakers there are using a lot of thought and care in their practice. And I will say some better than others. And it is an area that is steeped in tradition and families and generations who have been passing down those vineyards. So I think there is an important factor to value there. When you're in Cassis, as I said, you mostly find some really beautiful like briny influenced, but gorgeously balanced rosé. And then there's white wines that are sometimes made 100% from a grape called Uni Blanc, which is pretty uncommon and kind of like a unicorn, but Uni Blanc does grow more in the south of France than in any other part of France. And it has like this really amazing characteristic of sort of a subtle tropical fruit, maybe almost a kiwi with some succulent acidity. It's, it's really, really cool. I got the chance to visit Cassis just as a drive-by, you know, and it was absolutely epic. It's like a small little fishing town. It's probably become quite touristy now. I'm always like, what was it like way back when? But we did visit two different winemakers. You know, personally, I don't want to talk about who they are because they aren't my favorite, but I was still really inspired by the trip, by the visit 
And I think it's important to find inspiration in what everyone who's working to make good quality wine, even if it isn't exactly to the standards that I am looking for. But it was straight up like out of some sort of like James Bond meets Ernest Hemingway meets like some amazing epic saga where there was this gorgeous house and the vineyards are right there. And you're like looking out at the sea and I was like, where's my sun hat? So we're going to keep it moving, Sally. We're going to get back in our car and we're going to keep creeping along that coast, yo. I feel like the next stop would definitely be over to Bendal. However, Bendal is not necessarily extremely coastal. It is sort of in this hilly, slightly mountainous area. Some of the vineyards are coastal, but it is heavily influenced by the ocean. And when you get to high points in Bandal, you look out and you can see the sparkling blue sea. And I think it was actually back in the day where a lot of, there were a lot of like medieval forts because you could see anybody approaching. You could see anyone pulling into any of the harbors. I mean, can you imagine living back then? It would have been so crazy. It would have been insane. We're going to take a quick break to hear from this show's sponsor. We'll be right back. Since this whole health pandemic took place, there are a lot of people who told me and I've read that your morning routine is so crucial and it sets the proper tone for the day. So whether you wake up early or you want to set goals, you exercise, you meditate, 75% of us are walking around every day chronically dehydrated, which I didn't actually know until I started really thinking about how much water I was drinking. But it's also more than that. You can probably get frequent headaches, energy slumps, poor focus. It really doesn't have to be that way. Hydrant created flavored electrolyte packets. Listen, I am obsessed with these and I'm not kidding. I bring them to work with me every day. They're colorless, which I like because it's like that color isn't real. You mix it directly with your water and you efficiently and effectively hydrate your body. Each rapid hydration mix has four essential electrolytes your body needs, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. And this precise blend of electrolytes found in their mix helps your body hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. And listen, this product is backed by research. The formula was developed by an Oxford scientist to provide perfectly balanced, efficient hydration. There's no stevia and there's no artificial sweeteners. The formula is also vegan and you can choose between three flavors or a variety pack. Hydrant starts at just a buck a pack for a 30-day supply. Bonus, you even save more with a monthly subscription. I love subscribing to stuff. So listen, for 25% off your first order, all you have to do is go to drinkhydrant.com backslash wine face or enter the promo code WINEFACE, all one word, at checkout. That's drinkhydrant, H-Y-D-R-A-N-T dot com, and enter the promo code WINEFACE for 25% off your first order. It goes beyond flavoring water, guys. It's scientifically proven to hydrate. Hey, girl, hey, welcome to Taste of Taylor, my weekly podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Strecker. You might know me from Sirius XM Radio. I mean, I was there for like 12 years after all. But then Howard Stern allegedly got jealous of me, so I had to leave. I was actually able to pull myself up by the bootstraps and start my own podcast, Taste of Taylor, which is now officially with Dear Media. I'm so excited to say that. Ha! 
So I promise you in this podcast, you're going to either learn about something, you're going to be inspired by someone that's like always coming from a perspective of like humor, then this is the place for you. I hope you enjoy this little snack. And now back to our coastal creep. Bandal is really, really well known for a red wine grape called Mavedra. And Mavedra is, it's kind of what I call like a grapey grape. And maybe it's annoying to say that, but sometimes it really tastes like grapes. But when it's planted in Bandal, most of the esteemed winemakers, and my favorite in Bandal is Chateau Saint-Anne, most of the esteemed winemakers, they have super old Mavedra vines. And these Mavedra vines are literally like short and kind of, they're short for vines you know, not too short, but they have these like thick trunks and they have these arms that stick up and they kind of look like Martha Graham dancers. Like it's like a sea of Mavedra modern dancers. And they just have roots that bring this really beautiful intensity to a red wine that's textured and has layers and dark fruit, blue fruit, purple fruit, but then also can have this really like sneaky freshness to it. So Bandal is probably most famous for those red wines, but I think for a lot of people, and especially if you're visiting Provence in the south of France, you'll definitely encounter some Bandal rosé. And for Provence-style rosé, I would say it's one of my favorite site-specific, like AOC-designated rosé places. I think that really lends itself to the fact that those rosés are super layered. They're not just one note. They have like three or four notes. They're really delicious and you can age them. So they don't necessarily have a short life like other rosés, you know, one to two years. You could have a Bandal rosé. We visited Chateau Saint-Anne or I, got, I had the pleasure of visiting them uh, like two years ago and we tasted a rosé from 1993 and it blew my socks off. It was like fresh and delicious still with depth and character. I mean, it was out of this world. The other place that's near to Bandal in Provence that is really specific for rosé is Palette. And this is really close to the coastal area. Uh, Chateau Simone is actually a super old school winemaker there. And their rosé, they almost treat it like a red wine. These you can, they're darker in color. You can age them for a longer time. They're just literally mind bending and absolutely glorious. As we're doing our coastal creep toward the dream zone, passing through Bandal and Palette. I mean, can we all take this trip? Sign me up. Let's do it. Let's get on the flight. You're heading over to the main place I wanted to talk about today, the Destinazione, which is the Italian Riviera. Tis the season to talk about Liguria, I think. So if you're like being all James Bond, cruising on that coastal road, you're in Monaco and you're like, oh shit, I want to keep going east. As you drive east, you're going to enter into Italy. Liguria is that northwestern crescent that's the starts the arc into the mainland of Italy. Like if the boot of Italy had an armpit, Liguria would be that, but not in a bad way. Just if we're talking about Italy as a body part. <laughs> Basically, you go to Monaco, you drive east, you hit this Italian Riviera called Liguria, and you enter into a magical zone. It's small. It's coastal. 
crystal and it's absolutely stunning. It's kind of positioned right between, you know, on, on either side, it has France and then there's Piedmont and Tuscany. So it's surrounded by these really epic influences and it's just like absolutely mind-bendingly beautiful. I think what makes Liguria stand out the most. And I think to better understand Ligurian wine is it's really important to understand the climate and the landscape. And this is a vast departure from where we have done our coastal creep from. You know, it's been flat and it really shows how the terroir and the geological structure of these regions really influence the different grapes that are planted because it's not homogenous as you're traveling east on this coastal Mecca. It is all different grapes suited to that soil, suited to that climate. And nothing really stands out more than that than when you get to Liguria, which is planting grapes that you don't really find other places in Italy. Some of them you'll find planted in France, some in California, we'll get to that. But listen, 65% of Liguria is mountainous and it's all kind of skinny. It's skinny along this coastal curve. So it's not really going inland that much, which means most of Liguria is going up. And there, this is creating, because of its mountainous aspect and nature, is it's creating this super delicate balance for the wines. And a lot of them are quite literally stunning and incredibly unique. And a lot of these vineyards are steeply terraced along. I mean, it literally looks like green steps heading up to heaven or something. It's very steeply, steeply trellised. Everything has to be done by hand. And some of the vines even catch sea spray just being there because they're so close to the coast. There are you know, a few designated DOC regions of Liguria that I think it's important to note on. However, I think the the Ligurian wine I'm kind of obsessed with right now doesn't really fall under any of these, but I think it will lay a good groundwork for what we were working for and like what the main grapes are. So Cinque Terre is probably the most famous. It's what all most of the photos are. It's really steeply terraced. And it's an area that's producing wine from these three grapes, Bosco, Albarola, and Vermentino. Let me just say that the most famous white wine grapes from Liguria are Vermentino and Pigato. And that's what most people know. And then for red wine, Rosese. But there are other grapes that are grown there. And this is what's designated for these specific areas by the Italian wine government. So that's the Cinque Terre. The Cinque Terre does not have Pigato. It only has Vermentino. Then you also have the Colli di Luni. And the Colli di Luni is just red and wine production. It's got more varietals that you can grow. So you can grow red wine from Sangiovese, Canaiolo, Siligiolio, and Polera Nera, Bracciola Nera, and then for white wine, Trebbiano and Vermentino. There's another area called Colin di Levanto, and you're, they're making red wine from Sangiovese, Siligiolo, and then white wine from Vermentino, Abarola, and Bosco. And then, I mean, Golfo di Teguio, that's a really cool area. And it's one area that there's rosé and sparkling wine. And the rosé and sparkling wine could be made from Siligiolo, Dolcetto, Vermentino, Blanchetta, and Moscato. And as you'll see, there's sort of some thematic grapes emerging. Probably the biggest area is the Riviera uh, Le Riviera Ligore di Ponete, and that is red and white made from Dolcetto for red, Pigato 
some Rosese and Vermentino. And the last two are Rosese di Dolce Quacqua. That I honestly have not had a wine from, but it only makes red wine and it's only from the Rosese grape. And then the last one is Val Polcevere, which is red, white, and sparkling wine made from Dolcetto, Sangiovese, Siligiolo, Vermentino, Blanchetta, Pigato, list goes on. So I know that's a little tech sheet, tech, tech crunch, tech crunch live, but I do think it's important to kind of note that there is like deeply established roots in this area as far as a governmental recognition of the grapes that are grown and the zones that exist within this very small, stunning and very hard to farm area. So understanding that I think sets everybody up for success because it's going to give you more of an awe-inspiring appreciation for what people have to do to create one glass of Vermentino. Sometimes people are curious about like, what does Vermentino taste like? What is Pigato? Because usually from Liguria, occasionally we'll have a Rosese, but typically what we have is a Pigato and a Vermentino. Those are two white grape varietals. And I like them in their pure varietal form, meaning there are no other grapes blended in. Right now we're, we have a producer called Tenuta Selva Dolce. And this guy is just like really, really into making wine but he doesn't even drink wine. He's just passionate about winemaking, growing grapes. I mean, of course he tastes it, but he's not even really a drinker. He doesn't really drink. He just like is super, super intensely focused on growing the grapes, matching it with terroir, capturing the energy in the bottle, and then putting it forward. We just got a super limited restock on these wines. They're absolutely amazing. We have the Crescendo, which is 100% Pigato. And then we have the Roboso, which is 100% Vermentino. I got to say, if you want to take yourself on a vacation in your mind via your backyard or patio, or just looking out an open window, get a glass of wine from Liguria and pair it with some of the most amazing, famous foods that are made in this region that originated. Pine nuts are really, Liguria is synonymous with pine nuts. Once you got pine nuts, we got to make some pesto. Pesto is quite literally the perfect pairing with these wines. And you know this region, if you watch that show, Salt, Acid, Fat, whatever her name is, she's awesome. It's all about focaccia. So focaccia and pesto, you go with either one of those directions and you are going to be in heaven, on the Italian Riviera, in Liguria, eating pesto, pasta, drinking vermentino, toasting some focaccia, drinking pigato, living your best life in these weird ass times. Listen, be nice to yourself, drink good wine. This was a little coastal creep to get to a dream zone. I hope it kind of laid out a little bit of a roadmap in your mind so we could all take a mental wine vacation together. This is Wine Face, your podcast breaking down everything that you need to know about wine in easy, digestible, fun manner. And I am your host, Helen from Helen's Wines. And listen, if you like what you hear, please, please rate, review and subscribe. Oh my gosh, my producer will love you a long time. Rate, review, subscribe and hit me up in my DMs if there's something you want to hear about or you have questions. Just let me know at Helen's Wines on Instagram. DMs are always open. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be safe, everybody. Peace.